This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, we are welcoming Abby Williams to the show, or as you may know her, Mimosas with Moms. Abby is a licensed social worker and behavioral health therapist, and she runs an Instagram platform supporting, empowering, and connecting with moms in all seasons and stages of motherhood. Today, Abby joins us to talk about something that we've never covered on the podcast before, And that is facing parenthood as a single or solo parent and navigating that journey through co-parenting, if you have a co-parent, and blending your families. Because Abby herself was a single mom and then remarried and blended her family and knows uniquely from experience and through her education and license some really beneficial insights to support those who may be going through this journey. As someone who comes from a divorced and blended family and having worked with many families who have gone through separations and remarried and things like that, I know that this is such an important conversation for us to bring to the podcast and I couldn't think of anybody better to have it with than Abby. So... Get ready for my conversation with licensed social worker, Abby Williams. Before diving in, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This one is from Kate Soul, and it's titled, As a fellow mom slash therapist, this is a gem. Every episode feels so helpful, relatable, and real. Thank you for your work in the world and for putting this amazing resource out into the world for modern mamas. Thank you so much, Kate, for taking the time to leave me this review. I always tell you, I'm sitting here in my office with a mic by myself and my interactions with you guys are through reviews and tags and stories and that's the way I get my feedback from you and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave this review. If this podcast has encouraged you or supported you in some way, I would absolutely love if you could take the time to leave a review in iTunes or forward an episode or send something on to a friend to help get the word out. Thank you so much for this iTunes review and let's hear today's episode. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Abby, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today between professional life and four kids and pandemic parenting, all of those pieces you've prioritized being here with us. And I really, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me, Erica. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be chatting with you and connecting in this space with you. Yeah, you have. Okay. I have three kids. 
Yes. And I know the chaos. So you've got four <laughs> kiddos. How four. old are they? Tell me a little bit about your dynamic. Yeah. You know, and it's like really funny because when I had just three and I was like expecting number four, people would be like, oh my gosh, like you're so crazy. And I was like, oh, you already have three. Like what's one more? And I'm here to tell you it is one more. <laughs> it is one more kid. It is a lot. Um, it's a whole yeah. other human a whole with other a whole human. bunch of feelings. Yes. yes. It yeah. is one more person. So don't ever like feel like, well, what's one more? It is one more. Um, <laughs> So, but I love my four. I always knew I wanted four. So I have Oliver. He is 11. He was my unplanned pregnancy in the middle of my undergrad program. I have a co-parenting relationship with his dad. We get along really well. And I know we'll probably get into some of that. Yeah. And then I met my husband and we have three children together that we've like blended our family now. We have a, she will be five in two weeks. That's Beatrice. Josie is three and the baby fits. He seems like a five-year-old, but he is one and a half and he is just a brute. I'm like, I can't believe we're going to make it to the two-year-old like birthday with him. Both of us. Like, I can't believe you've made it. I can't believe I've made it. He's just built different. (laughs) So they would have been three, three and under. So we're in that range. Like they're all really close together. Hey, yes. Like the girls who are in the middle, they are 15 months apart. So I had two under two. Oh yeah. And then I had the three, three and under. Yeah. It was wild. (laughs) Oh, you are speaking my language. (laughs) My kids are like, I think it's 22 months, the first two and 16 or 18 months the second two yeah. and it was just a chaos that I can't even describe <laughs> well you just like kind of come out of like this fog I feel like we're just like coming out yeah. of it and I'm like <sighs> we can breathe a little <laughs> I remember when your little was born I don't know yeah. what co-event or something we were a part of because we've been connected for quite some time now yes. and I remember watching your stories of you like managing this little baby. It was before the pandemic and just yes. you were still podcasting and doing all the things right it's nuts Oh, the fourth one just gets thrown in there and we're lifing still, you know? Well, when he came home, I was like, I don't know that I'm done. Like, I know that we said four, but I just like can't, I don't know that I'm done with like the newborn stage. I don't know if I can like close this door. And then when he was seven weeks old was when the world locked down. When he was seven weeks. Wow. Seven weeks. So I had this newborn baby. I had the two toddlers and I'm like distance learning a third grader and I'm like, no more. No, no, so thank my children you. are coming into this house, which hopefully we never go through that again. But you're like, that ruined me. We always joke <laughs> that the pandemic has been birth control for, yes. for many parents. It has. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So how long have you been running Mimosas with Moms and your platform? Yeah. How did that come about? Because I, I love to hear people's stories on how they get into their specialty. Yeah. So Mimosas with Moms has been around for almost three years to be three years in January. And it was really birthed from a place of wanting to support moms. I started my motherhood journey when I was 20, 21 years old. And 11 years ago, there wasn't Facebook mom groups. There wasn't Instagram. Mm -hmm. There wasn't TikTok and all these places to plug in for, for moms that didn't have a community. My peers weren't having children yet. And it was just very isolating. It was very lonely. And now kind of being on like this flip side of, I guess, and I'm like air quoting being more age appropriate motherhood, right? Where our society kind of deems those 
different ages is maybe more age appropriate. I'm having babies alongside my peers now with the next three that I've had. And I have, you know, these pockets of things to connect to. I still find motherhood to be so lonely. Mm-hmm. And now being on this platform and connecting with people in this space, it's such a shared experience. And I'm so thankful that like there are these pockets like your platform, my platform, all these different platforms that we can come and plug into and get the support, get the knowledge, the expertise. You know, I think that there's all these different platforms that are offering different things. And I love, love, love that piece. And I love connecting my audience and my people over on my page with different platforms. I do like the support of mom boxes all the time where people ask for things. I'm like, go follow these accounts because like they're putting out amazing content. I love that piece. But yeah, Mimosas with Moms was just really born from a place of not wanting moms to feel so alone, whether you're a young mom, a single mom, co-parenting, blended family, you know, or just a mom that's in the trenches with the toddlers, you know, or wherever you are, teenagers, whoever you are, wherever you are, that you can come and kind of hang out and feel a sense of community. Yeah, I love your platform for that. I get a lot of messages about like, what about single parents Mm -hmm. or solo moms or, you know, co-parenting blended families. And it's interesting in the postpartum period that like, statistically, you're partnered up if you're in the immediate postpartum year year after baby, right? Like the majority are partnered, but there are lots of people who either choose to do it solo or for whatever reason, find themselves without their partner in the postpartum. And that is, I can imagine a very isolating space to be in because you're not in the majority at that point, right? Right. When you went through your experience as a younger mom at first, Were you still with your partner at the time or were you single momming it or what was that journey like for you? Yeah, so we were together for Oliver's first year of life and then we separated right after his first birthday and we have navigated co-parenting as young people. We were both really young, you know, when we had Oliver. I was 20 years old when I found out I was pregnant and he was born right after my 21st birthday and Yeah. So, you know, like I did go through it with a partner and I have a really good relationship with my co-parent, which I think is unique, especially I think being young, you can kind of see like how there would have been some drama. But I think that we also really always put our child first, his needs first. We've never been in a court. We've never gone through, you know, a lot of the things that most co-parents go through. Mm -hmm. But Professionally, I work with a lot of people that are in co-parenting situations as well. And yeah, you know, I think even when you're co-parenting and maybe you have a good relationship or a bad relationship, you still have these periods of feeling like you're doing it alone. Mm -hmm. You know, these feelings of loneliness. Am I going to find a partner? Some of those fears. And, you know, I was going through it while I was also trying to get my degrees, you know, I went and got my bachelor's degree. And then I went right back and I went to my master's program, I got my master's. And I was doing that as a single mom. That was hard. Yeah. And I can imagine I hear this with clients all the time. And I'm sure that you probably do as well. And, and maybe we can speak to some of those fears, because I work with a lot of moms who 
oh gosh, various different scenarios where maybe they feel like they're being mistreated or they feel like they're only staying for their child or they're staying because they fear being in a co-parenting situation and being without their child. Like, cause then you enter like a visitation schedule and things like that. Can we talk through a little bit of some of the thought process or like how you move past some of those fears? Cause I can imagine they must have felt paralyzing at times. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I just like really want to normalize the, like, you know, assuming you are going into your motherhood journey with a partner, you know, you haven't chosen to have your child all by yourself, you know, and there's a lot of single parents out there that do that and are doing that. Yeah. But when you're in a partnership and something happens and that partnership doesn't work out, right? This is like a extreme loss of an expectation and you know, I don't think like you didn't go into your motherhood journey expecting to only see your child 50% of the time, Mm -hmm. 40% of the time, whatever your custody agreement is. And that is like Mm gut-wrenching, you know, that, oh my gosh, I only see my child 50% of his life. And it gets easier, I think, as time goes on, but like, I don't think it ever gets easier at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, we're 10 years into our co-parenting relationship And it's hard, Mm -hmm. you know, now having blended our family and I have three more kids and you have like guilt around, you know, if I take the younger three to the pumpkin patch this weekend and he's missing out, you know, will he feel excluded? You know, is he going to feel sad if we do this? Now we have like a big age gap at our blended family. So I try to do like the younger kid things when he's not around. And then we do more things that are geared towards his age when he is around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like there's a lot of feelings around that. So I think like first, just like feel your feels. Acknowledge them, feel them. Acknowledge it. Like it's totally normal to feel upset, to grieve, to feel sad, mm-hmm. to feel angry, to feel disappointed your feelings are so valid. They're so normal. Mm -hmm. And then I think in the beginning of most co-parenting kind of dynamics, you know, as we're navigating these initial things, control is like a big one. It's Mm. really, really hard to give up that control. And it was for myself as well. We have a really good co-parenting relationship, but we parent very differently. And I think like, now being in a marriage with your husband, Eric, I'm sure you can identify with some of this. You have different co you have different parenting styles than your spouse, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe you guys butt heads in your relationship, but like you guys are both under the same roof. You can kind of navigate them together. Now, when you're apart, you don't really have a say over that 50%. You know, do I wish he was eating more vegetables and had less green time when he was over there 50% of the time? Maybe, but I can't control that. It's not my business. As long as he's safe and he's healthy and he's well-loved, he's taken care of, I have no control over what's going on over there. Yeah. You know, and really that's hard. And I think that that's hard for moms to give up that control and like acknowledging that, that. I'm having a hard time. (laughs) You know, maybe you vent it out with a friend. Maybe you go, you know, seek therapy. I've definitely talked to people about my co-parenting relationship before or sought professional help. You know, how do I navigate Mm -hmm. these different pieces? And that's okay. So the control, I think, is a big one that comes up a lot. Managing like your expectations, feeling your feels. 
Yeah. Well, and it makes me think about like, it's such a spectrum, right? Like when we are separating, like I've seen, and I've been in like children and family practice before Mm -hmm. I stepped into maternal mental health. And so my background is working in a children's psychology clinic for 10 years. And we would see the range or the continuum of like amicable separations Mm -hmm. and, you know, still can attend family holidays together and birthday celebrations together to custody and access assessments that are so hostile that like, you know, you communicate through the family wizard online and, you know, through your lawyers type thing. Right. And so I think that it's like, there's such a spectrum, even within the context of blending families and co-parenting, right? Yeah, like definitely. the the type of partner that you have, um, like the, how the separation went, There's just a lot of dynamics at play there. And so I think that relinquishing that control, oh my gosh, is hard for me even in my own home with my husband. (laughs) That's what what I'm saying, you know? And like, I go through that too with my husband. So then it's like, now imagine doing that with somebody that you have conflict with, a, a major conflict, or maybe you have hurt feelings, you know, maybe there was infidelity or, you know, something bad that happened there. You have your feelings. And like I said, your feelings are valid. You're allowed to have your feelings. But once like you come into your co-parenting situation, you got to kind of check a lot of those feelings at the door, you know, and that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're feeling burned because there was infidelity and your feelings are hurt, you're really mad. It's hard to check those feelings and then, okay, I'm just going to check those at the door. This is about my child and how am I going to move on? And just have this conversation about my child without my feelings. Right. That might take time. And it might have to go through something like a app or lawyers. And I think that there's healthy ways to co-parent where you're not communicating. There are systems that, you know, mediators or other sort of maybe specialized professionals can help you guys find and utilize to be able to co-parent in an effective way. And I used to do actually like co-parenting therapy with people going through custody and access and things like that, where we would bring them in and essentially we're trying to get some cohesive parenting plan together, you know, around like major you know, hot button topics where we can have some like uniform approach in some way. It's obviously not all going to be uniform, but like some key pieces. Yeah. And it is hard work. And I think that you touched on something really important is that like often one person in the relationship feels kind of like scorned, right? Like if the relationship is just like, we're growing apart, we're separating amicably, and it feels very like mutual, then the dynamics are going to be very different. But when the relationship comes to a break because of infidelity or, you know, numerous other reasons and and one person feels slighted, I think that it's really difficult. And I've observed this a lot. It's really, really hard to prioritize their relationship with that parent above how slighted we feel, right? Right, right. Really, really difficult. So that's where we we can sometimes see in more of like the extreme cases, like parent alienation and sort of trying Mm -hmm. to get the child on the side of the parent who feels hurt. And that's damaging to the child, right? Right. They deserve a relationship with both parents, no matter what happened to you, right? With the exception of, you know, safety concerns or other extreme situations. 
And I also want to kind of like tack on there of like, along with parent alienation is talking bad about your co-parent in front of your child. Mm-hmm. You know, those things can really be damaging and internalizing for your child as well. You know, if you're sitting there saying, oh my gosh, your dad is just a lazy piece of you know what, and he doesn't do this and he sucks at this. Yeah. You know, your child knows that he or she is half that other person. Totally. You know? Yeah. Do I have those qualities that my dad has that you hate? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I'm not my best self and I'm kind of lazy. Like, does my mom hate me? Mm-hmm. Or saying things like, you know, you're just like your father. <laughs> I heard those things in my upbringing with divorced parents. And like, those things are damaging. You know, those are things that yeah. your child is going to carry with them. So I think, you know, that kind of goes back to you're allowed to have your feelings and your feelings are so valid and you're allowed to be hurt and upset and angry. You got to go deal with that outside of your relationship with your kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You're speaking right to my experience as well, coming from high conflict divorce growing up. Because then that follows you into adulthood and you're unpacking that alongside parenting and that work is hard. (laughs) Yeah. And reliving that and reparenting myself and unpacking all of that right now, but also at the same time, recognizing that the alternative of them being together all of those years probably would have been a million times worse. And so like, I can appreciate that they did what they had to do, albeit incredibly ugly and how it (laughs) went down. But, but things like, you know, knowing, for example, how much my parents hated each other and then have my dad say, you're just like your mother or, you know, you're, you remind me so much of your mom, but it was always in like, sort of like hostile, like angry contacts and things like that. And you're just like, great. So like, what's the matter with me? Right. Am I unlovable? Am I never going to find love because, you know, mom didn't, you know, you're like, start thinking things like that, maybe. And we don't want to put those things on our kids. And I don't think that those are ever the intention of the parent that's doing those things. Right. They're just so fused with their feelings in those moments, right? right? Like they're so fused with the experience From what I can gather, there may or may not have been infidelity in my parents' relationship. I still don't want to hear anything about it. But it's like, (laughs) you know, there were some really angry feelings there. And so, you know, they still, like up until my wedding, I was like, how's this going to go exactly? Like, are they going to be able to be in the same room, you know? Yeah. But then at the same time, I can, as a parent and as somebody who has gone through my own healing journey, sit here and say like, I can appreciate the fact that they separated. It changed our life in a lot of ways and there was a lot of hardships. Right. But I feel like the alternative would have been potentially way more damaging to be exposed to them in the same space of fighting and and that dynamic all the time with no reprieve from that, you know? So... Yeah, no, I totally agree. So it's like when making these types of decisions for our family... You know, some people are like, oh, we should stay for the kids and, you know, or stay because we don't want to lose any sort of visitation with our children and stuff like that. And those are all such real, real decisions. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you know, what is the alternative to going and to leaving is staying in what the situation is right now. And is that healthy? And is that something that you can grow and thrive in and manage effectively? Right. Yeah. Your kids like deserve to see healthy relationships, both parents happy, you know what I mean? And if that means that you guys are happier apart and living separately, they deserve to see those things, you know, and experience a happy and healthy mom 
that is doing something different. You know, mm-hmm. there's lots of different families in the world now and healthy children come from all different situations. You know, your child will still be healthy and happy and, you know, supported even if mom and dad aren't living under the same roof. Want to get smarter about your health, but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week, like breakfast, on the go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed. But the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Asherine Areem's psyched mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code rage20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code rage20.
There are lots of proactive things I think that you can do. Yeah. For example, we did a lot of proactive therapy for kids going through separation just to help them through that adjustment Mm -hmm. when they were going through. So like play therapy, different like animal assisted therapies. There's lots of ways that you can approach separation in the most sort of mature and healthy way possible given the road you're embarking on, right? Right. But I can't imagine like with all of the feelings mixed in and the fears and the anxieties around separate and like age of your child, I feel like probably has a big role to play as well. Yeah, definitely. So like my son was one when we separated. So like this is all he's ever known. But then like when we were blending our family or when I met my husband and I was pregnant with the next child, his sister, then like there was all the questions And there's been a lot of things throughout the years of him saying things like, you know, I hate going between two homes. Right. I miss mom when I'm at dad's house. I miss dad when I'm at mom's house. Mm -hmm. And it's easy, one, to like internalize those things or like personalize those things for yourself, right? Right. If your child's at your house and like, I miss dad the whole time, you're like, oh, you know, why do you miss him? Like, why don't you just want to be with me? You know what I mean? It's really easy to get in like personalizing it. I'm going to say, don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about you, right? It's really easy to get in that trap. Don't. Yeah. And it's easy to want to fix these things for our kids, right? Right. Like when they're expressing their feelings, it's like we want to problem solve it instead of just hear that it's hard for them. Right. Yeah. So like when my son was coming to me and it's like, you know, I hate going between two homes. I hate that, you know, this is how it is. Yeah. And I just sit with him and I just like acknowledge and validate his feelings. Yeah. I'm sure that really does suck, bud. Like, I'm sorry. It's like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes that's all you can say. It's just like, I hear you. I see you. That does suck. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know? And there's no fixing it. And sometimes, you know, we just want to be seen and heard as people, right? Think about how many times you want to be seen and heard. Yeah. Well, it makes me think about how in order to respond in that way, you have to have such your own mental wellness Mm -hmm. to be able to hold space for his emotions. Because if I am, let's say, have anxiety that has sort of overrun my life and I have not done therapy or have any other forms of treatments for this anxiety that sort of controls my thinking and how I do things. Yeah. And then my child starts to talk to me about, well, I don't like to be at dad's because I don't like to be without you and I miss you and stuff. And my anxiety starts to say, well, what's going on at dad's house that you don't like to be there? And then like this anxiety or sort of unhealthy narrative can start to take over. And That's not to diminish the fact that sometimes there are unsafe things that do go on in co-parenting households that need to be dealt with. But I think that in these adjustments and in these times, prioritizing our own mental wellness as parents is like crucial, right? I think we should all be in therapy. Honestly, we, <laughs> whether yeah. you're going through a separation or, you know, you're co-parenting, whatever, I think everybody in the whole world should probably Could be benefit. I think we'd all be a little bit kinder and softer. Yeah, I, I do believe that. I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I've been in therapy pretty much my whole adult life. Mm-hmm. And I don't really see it ever going away for me. 
it's just part of my self-care. And I think, you know, an hour where you can go and unload your stuff and talk about your things. Yeah. Sign me up. (laughs) Well, I think that without our own, without prioritizing our own mental wellness, we become so fused with our thoughts and our emotions. Yeah. And we can't find the space to step back from them and consider maybe our child's thoughts and emotions because we're so fused with our own stuff and going to therapy or working through some of those feelings, whether it's anxiety or the just burn and fury of like infidelity or whatever, we have to be able to find some space between us and those feelings in a way that we can also hold our feelings and our child's feelings at the same time. And when we're so fused and so in our rage, we don't see anything but our rage, right? So so our own wellness, our own therapy, our own unpacking of our feelings when we're going through these times is for us, but it's also for our children. Like it makes us better parents that we do this work ourselves, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. It's hard. And it's hard to like hold space for them and not fix their problems all the time. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's important work though. I have like this example of this that came up recently for us. It's like yeah. I signed the boys up. So my my six and four-year-old, um, I say the boys, they're all boys. There's three of them. <laughs> but I signed the four-year-old and the six-year-old up for skating. We've never skated. It's like a, a Canadian rite of passage. They must learn how to skate. <laughs> And so, you know, here I am sending them out on the ice with no freaking clue what they're doing. And they spent the whole first session falling flat on their faces. And I'm just like, (gasps) you know, um, everything mommy in me was like, oh my gosh, like this is awful, you know? Yeah, right. And now like six sessions in, like me just like, you know, trusting the process. Well, here they are like skating and scurrying their way around the ice and falling much less and learning through this process. But like, it's kind of funny and it's in like a very safe context and I'm sort of using it as a lighthearted example, but like I have to let them go through the problem solving and the experience in order to gain and learn the skill. Right. Yeah. And there's going to be lots of these examples that come up throughout parenthood, right? right? Like I can just think ahead to the teenage years and like navigating friendships and breakups and heartbreak. You know what I mean? Like you can't take away all those pains and you can't hide them from those things that are going to happen in our life. Right. And you just be there. Yeah. Just always be a safe space that they can come and talk to. And I think, you know, establishing those relationships when they're young so that when they are older and their things are more complex that they want to come to you and talk to you and you know that they're not oh I went to mom that one time about something serious and she overreacted and it turned into a big ordeal you know and then you kind of shut that down you kind of break that trust a little bit And again, I know that these things are not intentional. You know, I know like how much our feelings can really get in there. And again, your feelings are so valid. But working on checking our feelings at the door in our co-parenting dynamics, it's so important. Mm -hmm. Well, and this feeling you had highlighted to sort of shield and protect them from life's hardships, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's like, is that really our job? No. Is that our job? Is that possible? 
No. Right? <laughs> yeah. No. And then is it realistic? And does that actually set them up with the skills that they need to be successful? Because it's like, if I were to be on the ice, we're going to roll with this metaphor, and I like slid a cushion underneath them every time they fell, and I softened that fall, and I protected them from life's bumps and bruises, yeah. they would never learn how to skate. They would never learn that skill. Right. And obviously, this is within a safe context. Like, we're not going to go and do things that are unsafe or harmful. Right. But I think that our goal is more to guide and give the skills and like support them through these things rather than shield them from all the things. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I just think that, you know, like letting people feel their feelings, letting your kids feel their feelings. You know, I think emotions are so uncomfortable for so many people. You know, it's just like, you're having this tantrum, you're having all these feelings, like shut it down, right? Like, no, we're not, we're not going to have this tantrum in the grocery store. Shut it down. Right. Because it's uncomfortable letting all these feelings hang out. You know, you grow up and you're like angry and you don't know how to deal with your anger. You know, anger is a very normal emotion. Mm -hmm. Sadness is a normal emotion. These feelings are all so normal. And how do I process them and manage them and deal with them? We want our kids to learn those things with us where it's safe. Right. Before they go out in the world and don't know how to do those things. Right. And they're in relationships with others. <laughs> Rather than stopping the emotion yeah. or taking it away. It's like ha- learning how to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Let them have their feelings. Just be there and sit there with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking about big feelings, when we're talking about like co-parenting and blending families, personally, in my own experience, I remember having some significant feelings around my parents meeting partners and Mm -hmm. blending families together. Can you share a little bit about um, how that process went for you guys or like maybe some considerations for people who are in that same place? Yeah. So I think for me... It was very, since I already had such a good co-parenting relationship with my son's father, it was really important for me to find a partner that was respectful of that relationship and wouldn't come and like stir that relationship up, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I think that that takes a special kind of person. I understand why there might be jealousy there. You know, Mm -hmm. why do you have such a good relationship with this ex of yours? We do a lot of things together. We go to the pumpkin patch together every year. We celebrate birthday together every year. There was a lot of years where we were doing Christmas morning together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there was just like a lot of togetherness because neither one of us wanted to miss out on those experiences. And so, all right, since neither one of us wants to miss out, we're just going to do them together. And we were able to do that. Mm. So for me now, like finding a partner... It had to be somebody that was willing to step into that. Right. I think like that's uncomfortable. I don't know if like on the flip side, I would be comfortable stepping into a situation like that. You know what I mean? And right. if that's not for you, that's okay. Don't be in that situation. So I found my husband and he's been a great, I guess, addition to our co-parenting relationship. Him meeting my son and coming into my son's life was pretty smooth because my son's temperament is just very sweet and kind and gentle. And Mm. I don't know, he's a lot like his dad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But but he's just very like laid back, uh, easygoing, 
these are all good qualities that he has. Yeah, it sounds like you're referring to those in like such a sweet, like endearing way. But he is, he's a lot like his daddy. It's not as high strung as I am. Hmm. You know, where I'm like, maybe if he was a little more high strung like me, it would have been a little bit different of a transition, right? I'm sure temperament plays a really big role in that adjustment. Plays a really big part. Yeah. So he was really sweet, um, welcoming Marcus in and my co-parent, his dad was really sweet, welcoming Marcus into the fold. You know, I think he was five when he came in. So Oliver was in pre-K that year and they did like donuts with dads and, you know, Oliver's dad was like, come with us. You know, so he's always like been included as a part of the dad fold. They've coached basketball together and baseball together. So I think that's been really a positive of having my co-parents be so respectful and welcoming of my new partner Mm -hmm. and me being respectful that I'm not going to bring somebody in that won't respect my co-parent. Right. Right. Now I think, you know, do you all have to be like this big, happy family? Like my family is no. I don't think that that, you know, is a requirement to a healthy co-parenting relationship, to a healthy raising of your child. I don't think you have to go sit in the pumpkins all together every year. You know, these aren't requirements. Mm -hmm. It definitely makes things easier, I think. But, well, I'll probably, I'll take that back. I don't even think that it will make it easier, you know, because if you have a lot of feelings and you're not able to be there and it stresses you out or it messes with a healthy, happy mommy, then right. that's not easier. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, having somebody that's not going to ruffle it up more, cause more problems, being mindful of those things, that's not going to, I guess, perpetuate maybe apparent alienation or talking badly about the other parent. Mm-hmm. Because we've had mm-hmm. moments of jealousy in our co-parenting relationship. You know, I just like described it as it's very beautiful and great, right? But that does not mean that it's always been easy. And there's been jealousy on both ends from both dads. And we're very open because we have a good relationship about communicating those feelings. So there was one year where Oliver's dad felt like, you know, his territory was being encroached on or he felt left out. And he kind of came to me and said, Hey, that really sucked. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, like we just had no idea. Like we won't do that again. We'll make sure that you're included in on that next time, you know? Mm -hmm. And same thing. We just had a situation with, he was on the golf team and the last round of golf, you got to bring a partner, you know? So he brought his dad And, you know, it was kind of like a situation where I guess, you know, there's not a thing that we can do to fix that. But, you know, my husband felt left out, you know, and he just like said that. And it's like, your feelings are valid. I see you. You know, I'm sorry that it's like that, you know, and just like validating the experience. But I think that there's always going to kind of be those things in this give and take and that it's not always going to be fair. Right. Right. We try to make it as fair as much as we can, but. Sometimes life is just life. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that like how you're describing it is finding something that works for you and your family and your situation, right? Right. Like there is no cookie cutter here. I think about a really great friend of mine who was a single mom, still single mom, but like her son is like 23 now and he's kind of like off doing his own thing a bit. Right. And she had such a unique relationship with 
her ex and really worked hard to keep all of the contacts separate from her son. And, you know, he kind of discovered who his dad was for himself over time, but she prioritized the relationship, you know? Yeah. Or even think about, it's an interesting example coming to my mind. It's like Fruits of Motherhood on Instagram. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you follow her. Yeah, Linda. Yeah. Yeah. And their family dynamic and how she realized like her sexual orientation after becoming a mom and realizing that she actually desires women and her partner, her husband, and how he's like extremely supportive of her. And People looking from the outside may not understand their dynamic, but it doesn't matter because that dynamic works for them and they're in support of one another and whatever their relationship shapes up to be structured as is going to work for them if they're both on board, right? And so I think that what you're describing where like, you know, your new partner stepped into the situation and he, you know, was supportive and then your co-parent was supportive, like, I don't know. It's just, it's so cool that it works that way for your family. Yeah. We're just always like very child led and child focused, I guess, in our family. And so it's just like, it's all about the kid. You know, it's not about you and you and you. (laughs) All your guys' adult feelings and adult stuff, you know, like that's not the kid's problem. Right. And so I guess like we've just been very mindful of not burdening our children with adult problems. Yeah. You know, none of these kids in this situation, I have four children and those are Oliver's only siblings or my kids. None of these four children have asked for this life. You know, they were just brought here and this is the life that they're in, you know. So when Oliver's dad comes to pick him up from our house, all of my children go running. They're all like, hey, you know, he's got like secret handshakes with my other kids and like they all, you know, have a relationship with him. And likewise, with now, like my husband, you know, Oliver has a great stepfather relationship with him, but it's just always been focusing on the kids and not each other. You know, I don't even really think his dad, like, and I don't really like communicate like a whole lot when he's walking in. It's usually I'm in the kitchen cooking dinner. He's like picking up Oliver. I'm hugging him real quick. And then he's leaving. But all the kids are in the mix at the door, like, yay, Mm -hmm. pay attention to me, you know, my little people. And, you know, I think he's more focused on saying hi to the little people than he is to me, which I'm like, that's great, right? I don't need to have (laughs) this long exchange. But yeah, I think if you're able to just keep it child focused and child centered, that's like the most important piece. It's so nice to hear your experience because I feel that working in like a child psychology practice, one that particularly specialized in working with custody and access assessments, you know, I feel like the majority of the co-parenting situations that I was exposed to in the clinic were often on the extreme high conflict end. Right. Because those who are more amicable or more, like you said, like child focused or child led didn't land themselves in our services, right? Yeah. And so to hear your experience is so refreshing and I think in a way encouraging that we fear that these decisions, they do have lasting impacts. Like obviously it is a fork in the road and things do change, Mm -hmm. but change doesn't always have to be for the worse. Like it can be for the better if we're exiting a, a, a relationship that is maybe toxic or if 
you know, whatever the situation. Yeah. And I'm sure it took you guys lots of time to get there. And, you know, there's always like bumps in the road and it's a roller coaster and we just like things still pop up coming back and prioritizing those tiny people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's encouraging to hear. Thank you for sharing your story with us today and talking this through. What do you have going on? Where do you hang out online? Where can people find you? All those pieces. Yeah. The biggest place I hang out is Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can find me at Mimosas with Moms. You can listen to my podcast, Mimosas with Moms, wherever you're listening to this podcast. I also have my Facebook, Mimosas with Moms. Not so much active over there as I am on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) If you're looking for a community, come over to my Instagram. Yeah. And that's what I have going on right now, wrapping up season three of the podcast. So I'm sure next season we'll have lots of new guests and hopefully Erica will be over there joining me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll link all that stuff in the show notes as well so that people can easily navigate to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and, you know, opening up about your story and bringing in that professional lens of your experience. I, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Erica. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.